We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes Podcast. This episode number 32 of the Moose and Runes Podcast. Plenty to talk about today. Uh, we're going to try and keep it upbeat. We're going to try and be a little bit more positive than weeks past uh, because there's more to talk about than just the Bears. Nothing positive to say really about the Bears right now. That's why we're coming in hot on a different topic. Joined now by Matt Rooney. Matter, how's the week? Are you feeling the Christmas cheer yet? Joe, I'm feeling the tiger cheer. Tiger cheer is here. He's back. I have a warm Three in rounds my, in the 60s. In my belly. Three of them. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and say that you're not allowed to be as excited as I am because you didn't put your heart on the line like I did. In fairness, I texted you like three right goals the into the round third. Right so it's, not, it's not like I waited till the weekend to say like I'm all in. I watched him swing the club like three times and texted you saying I'm already all in. Okay. I'm, I think we've almost flip-flop roles here. I'm very excited <laughs> about it from what we saw. Um, in terms of longevity, I think that the swing can work. I didn't like... You know, it was cool to see him attacking the ball how he was on Sunday and a couple mm-hmm. swings earlier on in the week. But I don't know if that is um, – I don't know how long he can keep that going. I don't know how long – or if that can translate into any sort of wins because of the fragility of his body. I mean, he looked strong. He looked good. The swing looked clean. I just don't want to see him ripping it, the ball like you, that. It you just like never – you never know with a body like that, too. The, the slightest thing can – set him off wrong at this point because he has gotten to that point where he's injury prone absolutely but let's let's go positive on tiger here you sure. said it three rounds in the 60s it looked like he did struggle a little bit on the weekend especially that saturday round but what struck you the most what were you most surprised about from tiger's performance aside from just the scorecard i, I for me it was how far he was hitting the ball because he was mm-hmm. i mean he wasn't always out there with past, every club you know, the big but, but he was consistently out there pretty far and he's able to work the ball pretty well too i mean he looked like and he's never going to look like the old tiger again but he looked like mm-hmm. he was hitting the ball far enough and he was working the ball enough to get himself into good positions around the greens where it is in the past he'd been leaving himself with these longer tougher chips and, and stuff in which was always kind of getting him into a lot of trouble so for me it was just his ability to not sacrifice as much distance in the as he had been doing in the past yeah, I think that that's a great point, and it was with every single club. There was a 277-yard two-wire there. That was awesome. There was he a struck that thing. 330-something-yard drive for that Eagle 2 on Sunday. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected at all. And there was no, a couple I don't moments, think especially. I watched every swing Thursday, Friday. Um, got a little caught up Saturday, Sunday, but saw a good portion of it. But Thursday, Friday, there were a couple moments where he found himself in the reeds or in uh, a hazard area, and the round didn't crumble. That were times in past comebacks where the round would crumble and he would just mentally check out. We didn't see that. But my, the, my biggest takeaway was his, his success off the tee. He was finding fairways. He wasn't snap hooking. There was no big bubble fades. He was finding fairways. He was powering the ball. It was a little cut. It was a little draw. He was in control off the tee, which has never really, aside from the early stages of his career, been his hallmark. So I was very impressed by that. No, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he brought that up. I mean, he, he didn't hit the or he didn't uh, score too well on the par fives early on. I know, but I, I'm like I'm with you. I watched just about everything Thursday, Friday, not as much over the weekend. But just about everything I saw, he was you know in a great spot in the middle of the fairway, left side, right side, just about wherever he wanted to be. And mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that you brought up the you know his round didn't crumble after one or two things went wrong. His 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 old tournament could have crumbled after a 75 on Saturday, and I think yeah. it was a 40 on the front. He came back and shot a 35 on the back, and then came back and shot 68 on Sunday. So he. he in the past, we'd seen it so many times. He'd start out okay for a couple holes. First thing would go wrong, it would snowball, and it just it. There were plenty of occasions within each round and within the tournament in itself where he had chances to do that and didn't. Yeah, he was he was grinding out pars. Had a couple big par saves early on in the week. His average driving distance, I'm looking at it now, was 299. You can win on tour with that. Plenty of guys do. 
Um, he hit half of his fairways. You obviously like to be a little bit higher than that. He had 55% of his greens. You like to be a little higher than that, but you got to be reasonable with your expectations of him here. And here's another thing. I, I know I kind of tweeted this to you as a joke early on, saying something mm-hmm. along the lines of like, you know, don't don't show me any other golfers. Just give me Tiger Cam for for all 18 holes. But for the for the times we saw him, you know, standing around, walking around the course, whatever, he didn't look like he was moving gingerly, which we'd seen in the past. He kind of looked a little bit old, slow. Like he, he looked like he was moving around the course just fine. I know it's absolutely sounds a little bit weird to say because he's not like. 70 he's 41 or whatever the hell it is but mm-hmm. uh he, he looked like he was moving around the course fine he didn't look old or slow walking around or like he was walking gingerly and he honestly he looked happier out on the course than i've seen him in a long time if that yeah so he, he it, just it's not the trademark tiger to have the smile on his face but he had a smile on his face quite a bit yeah yeah he, i think he liked being out there he liked competing because we're talking about one of the greatest competitors in the history of sports and for that to be taken away from an individual like that, you know that's that's gut wrenching. The guy was oh, absolutely. Between his physical and personal hurdles that he had to overcome in the last, let's not even talk about you know the marital transgressions in just the past two years, what he's had to go through physically mm-hmm. and emotionally for him to be back out on the course. Like you said, he just looked like he was enjoying being out there, and and that kind of brings me to my next point that I'm excited to have Tiger back, and I'm excited to see him but I want to see him at a premium. I want him to play just enough golf in front of us to be competitive in tournaments and maybe have a shouter's chance in a major. That's kind like, of I what he said. I don't, yeah, I don't need to see him every Sunday. I don't need him on the Spieth, Fowler, DJ tour. You know, That's not who he is right now. Think about all the times we saw Phil last year. Even a, a slightly more abridged schedule than Phil. You know, He's up in that age range mm-hmm. where 100%. that... That amount of golf can be detrimental to his game. You know, you start to regress rather than progress. I'm with you. Um, yeah. But it was, uh, he said something along the lines, I think, after the, I don't know if it was after the tournament or during, basically saying, you know, his goal was to get himself prepared for Augusta. And then I think, I, yeah. I, oh, the math. I just got to chill. I can I I tell. And then I'm sure after that, it's going to be, well, you know, our goal is to get ready for the U.S. Open and so on and so forth. So I think that's yeah, what you're going to see. Assess. He's going to work out on his own time. He's going to pick and choose his tournaments here where he thinks it might be a good fit for his game, his health, whatever you want. And, and I, I think he's going he's going to do whatever he can to be there in, you know, early April. Uh, yeah, he's, teeing he off said. On he said, uh, he said something along those lines of, like, how has this week changed your expectations going forward? And I think he was a little surprised by the way he played, but I love when golfers say, you know, we're going to get the whole team together. Like, who's the whole team? They all say that. Like, Jordan is always giving credit to his team. Tiger saying we're going to get – like, I, I picture, like, oh, he's, he's a, got a, a brain cat. trust a brain trust of, like, 65 people throwing he's, in their uh, – He's got a caddy. He's got a swim coach. He's got no, an agent. He's got I a know. trainer. Yeah, Come on, Joe. It's, it's, golf's a team sport. Yeah, it's it's fun to think about it in that um, in that light as well. That it's not just one guy out there swinging a club, um, and one guy that was out there swinging the club and swinging it quite well was Ricky Fowler this 61. week. Sixty one, sixty one course record, um, tournament record. I, I don't know if that's his career low. I know he doesn't have a fifty nine. I don't know if he has a sixty in there. But um, I was even I was looking at it, uh, you know, watching all the build up for Tiger, and they were showing Ricky on the range. Um, on either Wednesday or Thursday, and I was like, oh, no, Ricky's starting to get into that laid-off position again. He's looking super flat like he did early in his career before he got with Butch, and he proved me completely wrong. Like, whatever he's doing with his swing, it's it's correct because the guy's a wizard from the sand, from the fairway. You can put him anywhere on the course. He's going to find a way to make a good number. Yeah, I, I really hope this is the year where he can get off. Kind of I don't the, know uh, if it is, though. Last year it felt like it because he came off such a strong 2016. He's, he's too good to not win one at some point, though. Yeah, but it's not, a it lot even of guys seem, It's not like he's. It's not like it's, you know, Sergio or Lee Westwood or Phil where he's having these epic collapses, though. That's yeah. kind of where I guess I'm a little bit – I think he's a little bit different. I mean, with with Phil and Sergio and those guys, like we've seen them in prime position only to epically fail, collapse, whatever. I don't think Ricky has ever, not that I can recall, has ever really done that. He's just kind of been outdueled for the most part, and I, I think that's where at some point he he does break through because he's not, you know, shanking stuff on eighteen, yeah. three putting on seventeen, whatever. Now, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint you a picture here. I like pictures. S- Sunday at Augusta. The verdant green of the grass, the yellows and pinks of the azaleas, 
and the orange and red of Tiger and Ricky. I just I can't wait to hear Vern call those two on sixteen. <laughs> it's gonna be so much fun. I, I just I just hope, like you said, I hope that he's in shape. To I just hope he's I, I hope he's hope. there and I hope he makes a cut. And then yeah. they, once you make that cut, kind of anything can happen. Yeah, because the ghosts the ghosts of Augusta definitely remember Tiger, and uh, it'd be great to see a couple more runs at at, at that thing at that jacket. Oh. Um, well, before well, we get all like teary eyed here talking about uh, talking about Tiger, get teary eyed uh, about something else. Maybe. Yeah, there's plenty more to talk about. Um, the Bears, uh, I, I I already mentioned the word in, in terms of Tiger, but regressing into a dumpster fire. There is nothing salvageable. What can be taken away from this season, other than we drafted a quarterback I, four months ago? There's one thing I might be able to take away from this Tariq season. Tariq Cohen. Tariq okay, Cohen well, then maybe defense. two. Because I was also going to say Kyle Fuller. Um, okay. I, if they, if they want to give, but him now you got to pay the guy. It's okay, so what? You got to pay, and then they he's going to play like shit again. Everybody, they everybody, and that's fine. It's, we don't have the explicit <laughs> tag, Joe. Let's be careful. <laughs> We're getting demonetized as we speak. <laughs> uh, you mean you're going to have to pay him? I also don't think he's going to break the bank. It's not like he's been like an elite corner this year, but I think you found a yeah. guy who can you know play corner for you on one side, and mm-hmm. half their team is on one year contract, so they have a lot of cap space. <laughs> yeah, I was very lucky that this Sunday. Um, was the announcement of Scott Frost here at Nebraska, so I worked a 14-hour day. But I then came home as the masochist that I am and watched the Bears game on DVR. Why? Great way to watch. Great way to watch football. Fast forward to the commercials, but it was so ugly. I mean, the Tariq Cohen punt return was phenomenal. It was shades yeah, of well, he had two of them that were really nice. The one, the, yeah. the second one got called back. Probably shouldn't yeah. have. But but uh, we're now looking at what was that five straight losses for the Bears. Uh, that one against the 49ers, who are a dumpster fire of their own. The first time in Bears history, I know everyone's probably seen the statistic already, but the first time in Bears history that they don't allow an offensive touchdown and still lose the game. How predictable was that ending, too? Because I feel Poetry. like... Poetry. For me, Poetry. It, maybe Good this for happens... Robbie Gold. I, I 100% agree. I also don't necessarily disagree that it wasn't the right move to let him go when they did not how what i don't know if they handled it the right way but well that's a different debate for a different time i guess but they they, i feel like the bears are often the victim of poetic justice Mm -hmm. just about all the time and then i guess as a bears fan maybe it's the cynic in me but watching this game through the fourth you know getting in the fourth quarter all that kind of stuff you just you kind of knew this was exactly how it was going to end yeah. And then John and, Fox telling me that he thought they had a better chance of blocking a 24-yard field goal than letting his quarterback go down the field with you know a minute or so and two timeouts. That's why what I'm is, done with him because he thinks we're all idiots. He, he really does. That, like he he maybe he's just he's, maybe he he's just being. He's a, he thinks he's a football genius, and none of us have ever watched the game before. You know, it, it, I was from the start when they first hired him. I. I didn't hate the hire. I thought it was just kind of weird, and I didn't think it really made much much sense. And I, I think at the time you saw Denver let go of an AFC champion and you know Super Bowl head coach, and kind of thought that was a little bit odd. And I think it should have been a little bit of a red flag or a warning sign mm-hmm. that the year they let him go is the year they get over the hump and go ahead and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, or maybe it was, was it two years, a year, whatever, right after. Less less that this was the guy who got us here. More that this was the guy. This was the guy held back. his back from our ultimate goal. But uh, John Fox aside, the firing needs to occur and it needs to occur fast. I just don't get the point of hanging out. Like what, what is, what good are you doing? Yeah, I, anybody I on this roster and this fan base? But, and, and you can if make you got me. Virginia McCaskey's number, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have, have a bunch of questions along those lines, but well, I wonder if she's still pissed off, Joe. Yeah, I think she's pissed I, off again. I don't, I, who cares? That's that's my feeling about the whole thing is that I'm becoming apathetic again because I found myself rooting for Robbie Gold at the end of that game. <laughs> partially partially because I knew the outcome already. I was watching Yeah, you knew that was going to happen. But I was just like this is perfect. Good for Robbie. I wasn't like damn these bears. I was I was I was in a good for Robbie uh, type headspace. But it, it's just not a good time to be a Bears fan. A lot of crazy statistics coming out of this proving that it is the worst stretch in Bears history. Uh, one of my favorite ones were at this point in the season, 19 NFL teams have gone on three-game winning streaks this season alone. And the Bears' last three-game winning streak was September of 2013. So this is one of the worst stretches statistically in Bears history. Also, and we have now and 35, we don't deserve 35 we don't, consecutive games, Joe, without scoring 28 points. It's, 
we don't deserve it. We deserve a lot better than this as a fan base, as, as people who pour their heart and soul into it. And I know a lot of people that pour their heart and soul to it much more than you and I, and I cannot mm -hmm. imagine how they're feeling compared to the way that I'm feeling right now because it's sickening and it's, it's disgusting to have to week after week subject ourselves to this. And a lot of people can say, Oh, just don't watch it. Don't turn the TV. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Watch it. That's not, that's not how we're wired as yeah. fans, as sports fans. So for the people that are wired the way that we are, and even worse than we are, something needs to be done for the people that spend thousands and thousands of dollars on season tickets every single year. I, we got a friend yeah, I, who I know personally, I don't know if he wants to be put out there like this, but, he, his family has season tickets. They're giving them away at this point. They don't want to see it at this point. They don't, they don't want to go out there tailgating at this point because it's not worth it. It's not worth their time, and it's not worth their money. It's, it's, it's not worth it on any level. It's not enjoyable anymore, and Bears fans deserve better. I've made this call a number of times, and you've told me to back off on it. I think the last time that I said Bears fans deserve better was during the draft, but I'm feeling that way again. I'll, I mean, I'll more agree with you now that I've seen the on-field product. I guess, I'm not going to go back to an old draft. I'll more agree with myself now than the draft. I, uh, I think it's for, for, uh, for different reasons. But no, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, my, my brother texted me on Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever, saying, hey, I got some Bears tickets from work, and I, I had to work on Sunday. But kindling. I got That's it. what you have. You have I, kindling. I got into work on Sunday, and I was kind of like, you know, kind of happy I had to work and Seriously. wasn't able to go to the Bears game because this looks – it was it was a nice – it was 55 degrees, whatever, on the lakefront, sunny day at Soldier Field. And I was ecstatic that I wasn't there. And yeah, I'm glad you brought up that me, season If tickets. you're selling me weather, if you're yeah. selling me well, weather no, but you know what December, I mean. Like, no, I know. But that there's a problem now yeah. if that's what you're selling. But like, you know, it's not like this is one of these days where it was like two degrees and snowing. Where I was like, oh, wow, I'm glad I'm not at Soldier Field. It would have been a beautiful day to be at a football game. And I still was happy that I had to be at work. Yeah. But no, you brought up the season ticket point. I was reading an article, I think um, – Hub Arkish or something. I forgot. Prices are going up. They're but picking he, them up again. No, they're that. I mean, that that that's always going to happen. It feels like with every sport. But he was basically saying the same thing. Like you know, I'm paying several thousand dollars for season tickets a year. Uh, I, I I'm I'm they've been in my family for generations, so I'm not going to like let them go because I'm not going to do that to the people below me. But at the same time, like I'm not asking for a Super Bowl or an NFC Championship or even the playoffs every year. All we're asking is just to not be embarrassed and yeah. not be not. We're asking for a team to be put out there that actually looks prepared, that is prepared to play football on Sunday. And it seems like for the last however many weeks it's been, honestly, since the New Orleans game. The New Orleans game to me was the last time this team looked prepared to come out and play a football game on a Sunday. It seems like after that, I don't know if it was the coaches in general. I don't know if it had to do with the players. I, I don't know what. The I tend buy, to lean towards the coaches. But maybe it was the Packers' loss that did this to everybody. I don't know. But since that That's point, since they lost to New Orleans, that tight – close game against a really good Saints football team that they had a chance to win at the end. Mm -hmm. They have not been the same football team. We haven't seen the team come out with that same belief in themselves or drive to win a football game. And I put that a lot on the coaches. They haven't looked as prepared. See, I go a step higher than that. I, I go, I, I actually go two steps higher than that to ownership because if the bottom line still looks the same at the end of the year, because you're not a playoff team. You haven't been a playoff team. If Virginia McCaskey's bottom line looks the same at the end of the year, there's not going to be any impetus from that family to make any sort of change. They don't care. The last four weeks should be a perfect indication that they don't care. They don't care about the Bears. They don't care about Bears fans. They don't care about Bears Packers. Because if they did, John Fox would have been fired the Monday after the Packers game. Coming off a bye to lose to a Packers team with that roster that they trotted out on the field to lose to them 23-16 to in the fashion that they did, that's a fireable offense if you care about the future of the team. No, and I, everything, that's, everything that's happened in the last four weeks tells me that the top levels don't care about this team the way we do. No, and I, I agree. That is, that's absolutely the problem. And I, I don't know to what extent you know ownership has their hand in everything or what, you know how far Ted Phillips' hand goes, but ownership's not going to change. I've kind of... Just the McCaskies aren't going to sell the team. They love owning the Bears, all that stuff. But I, the the next best thing that you can possibly do, they they need to get a president who you know a, a football side, a, a football operations president, something, someone to oversee the football operations side of the program because. Ted Phillips and George McCaskey cannot be the ones making football yeah. decisions. Ted Phillips is an accountant. Yeah. 
George McCaskey is not a football mind. They need this is there's no more these two being talked into being the smartest guys in the room with Phil mm-hmm. Emery and Mark Tre- That that's what they've tried to do the last like mm-hmm. seven, you know, last however many times they've made hires. Get somebody in there. I don't. Bill Polian's not going to be the guy, but a guy like yeah. that, whoever it is, whatever. Less maybe, less lab coats and more helmet heads. I think uh, that's what the I agree. at this point. They need to because, stop trying to be the smartest people in the room because that's that doesn't really I, work in sports. I, I really like what, what you're saying there too, Matt, because I'll, I'll draw a parallel here to, to my current reality. I'm, we're, we're seeing the seeds of a Husker revival here. Just the energy, the energy's higher here right now after the Scott Frost hire than it has been probably in the last two years, aside from a couple wins, the Michigan State win two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable just what history and memory can do for a team and a fan base. Scott Frost is going to try and bring back 1997 when he was on the team. He's going to try and bring back that sort of support, that sort of rabidness of the fan base, of the team. And you can see it in the way he talks and in the way his, the players already have his back. Bring back an 85 bear. Get, get Singletary. Gary Fensick. Get, me Gary get Fensick in the front office. Get somebody there that understands what it takes that understands the commitment on the field, the commitment Tuesday to Saturday. Someone that understands that. I, I, I don't know. You know, it's it's just it's it's time to get somebody with a football mind up at the top overseeing these you know decisions. Ryan Pace shouldn't be reporting Ted Phillips. He shouldn't be report. He I, I like Ryan Pace. I still think he's doing an okay job. I, I'm not sure this is necessarily all on him, but I mean, it goes back to it. He didn't get to pick his head coach. Yeah. When he was hired, they basically said, like, well, you're hired, but we're, we're going to have you hire John Fox. Yeah. So that, that can't be really the case. You can't have a non-football mind like Ted Phillips telling your new, brand new general manager, hey, this is your head coach. This is the guy we want you to go with. Theo, it, it, 20, Theo 2019? Let's move on, Joe. Let's, don't, don't depress <laughs> me. Oh, God. I think it is time to move on, Matt, because I'm starting to get a little chest pain here. Uh, let's talk college Let's talk a little Final Four, a little college football playoff, Matt. Uh, it, the playoff is set. Uh, we're looking down the pipe at what, what looks to be a fun December and January. Uh, major takeaways from the final weekend of college football from championship weekend. It was, it was a fun weekend, but I don't think with the exception really that Big Ten championship game, it wasn't <coughs> really have that excitement that you kind of yeah. hoped for. I mean, the, the, I guess the Auburn-Georgia game was close till FCC midway through the fourth. Good. Yeah. Um, Clemson just blew the doors off Miami, which I did predict happen happening. And I, I think everybody made money on that. So yeah, congratulations, congratulations, um, friends and family. I, I guess that what what we're we're going to end up getting here too is the is the playoff. Um, mm-hmm. I think they got it right. You think they got it wrong. Uh, so I, I not wanna, not so much not that, wrong, now, but you you're not happy with the fourth selection. No, I'm not happy with the fourth selection. I'm not happy with. The decision that the selection committee even had to make, you know, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in my grievance today, but the way the system set up, someone was going to get the shaft. Someone's always going to get the shaft, even if you extend it to eight teams. But there needs to be a clear distinction of what the criteria is for these uh, that, teams. That, I, we don't agree on the fourth team here, but I, I 100% agree with you with that. This, this, yeah. the, the decision for the fourth team shouldn't have been as, as muddied as it is because I feel mm-hmm. like each year – they kind of pick and choose which items are most important to them, uh, the, the mm-hmm. committee does. And I, I really do think that's so they can get whatever team they'd rather see in there in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, I, I do think they got it right this year, but I'm not necessarily happy with how they how they got there, I guess, if that makes sense. I think if they're going for the four best teams in college football, they got the four best teams in college football. But at the same time, don't tell me – you know, I, I I know you're not as happy with where they are with conference championships. I still think they value conference championships because I think it's 14 out of the 16 to make the playoff in the four years have been conference champions. But at the same time, don't tell me you know the first two years when all four teams that make it are conference champions that you yeah you know, it's cannot more important. change the criteria. And then don't tell me you know I, I'm more actually but the whole conference championship thing. I think I'm more upset about it last year that yeah. you know Penn State was a two loss team, but they had the conference championship and the win over Ohio State. Ohio State was had one loss to Penn State didn't go to the conference championship game, and they get in over Penn State. So that thing bothered me a little more than this year. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's a big pot of money at the end of this rainbow, Matt. 
And you got to make sure that the eyes are there looking at everything that you need them to look at. Not to say that Ohio State wouldn't have been a massive fan base, a big grab, but we're looking at Oklahoma, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. Like those are, those are four teams that constantly are moving the needle. You can't have – this year was perfect evidence that no matter what the situation is within reason, Alabama needs to be in your playoff. You can't have a playoff without Nick Saban. See, That's I, what this all looked like. To my me. one argument there is that with the the fourth team, the team that they were up against is, I think, the team that the playoff has arguably gone to the same extent to get in every year. Yeah. So it's well, not like this was Alabama getting put in over Michigan State or something, or, who is you know a, a fine program and all that, but they don't move the needle like in Ohio State. It's not like they're getting you know put in over. Yeah. Nebraska, whatever you want to call it, they they were got, they got put in over the team that Ohio State that they kind of shoehorned in last year and had a, a head coach who is every bit as you know name you know big name all that name, yeah. drawing as, as much as Nick Saban is in, in Urban Meyer. So that's that's a little bit where I disagree with you because I think Ohio State is the one exception to the the I don't know, it's an Alabama rule, but they're the kind of the one team that can argue that that has a case against it. That's fair. I got I got nothing. Uh, I got nothing against that point. Um, it's it's just frustrating year after year that the system that we see the flaws in the system and the inconsistencies. But we're gonna get two great ball games uh, on January first. We're gonna get Alabama and Clemson as a semifinal. That right there is a national championship that we've seen in the past. That we'll see again probably down the road. But Alabama Clemson. We, we called it would happen, Joe. We just said it would happen in the finals, not the gonna be, Yeah, going to be a fantastic game. And then Oklahoma, Georgia. Uh, give me quick predictions. I'm not holding you to anything sure, on this, but sure. who do you see in, in, the champ, in the national championship? Right now, I think I'm leaning towards Clemson and Oklahoma. I'm uh, right there with you. Clemson's playing such good football right now. And I, I think Alabama's still – I think they're one of the four best teams in the country. I just think this is one of their – I don't want to say a down year for Alabama, but for Alabama, I think yeah. it's a little bit of a down year. I know they're banged up. I don't think they're quite as good as they've been in past years. And, and Clemson's defense looks so incredibly good. Kelly Bryan seems to be finding his groove. And I, I think that team's just kind of firing on all, on all cylinders. Plus, last two years, they've given Alabama problems. I know two years ago, they f- came up just short last yeah, year. They, they, they have the formula. Dabo doesn't have a problem. He's not scared of Nick Saban. Dabo doesn't have a problem going up with Nick Saban. I, it, some yeah. coaches have that in are a little bit intimidated by him. Dabo's one of the few guys that's not. Yeah, I, I think that Clemson has the formula on how to stop the Alabama run game, which is one of the toughest things to do in sports. But they have the ability to do that. They have the players to do that. When you can force Jalen Hurts out of his comfort zone, out of that read option, out of that slow play run the ball and force him to throw the ball deep, which he does have the ability to do now. He's grown in that sense, but it's still not, I don't think, his strength. So if you can force him to pass more than he wants to, I think Clemson comes out with the win there. And then in the other game, I'm just looking at quarterback play. I'm looking at experience. Um, Jake Fromm. I, I think Jake Fromm's a, re- a very nice quarterback, and I think he's only going to get better. But for me, I just I, it's I don't a big, think it's a big stage. It's and a big stage against you know, his Hurts, counterpart. Is the you know he's the, he's the best player the in his showman. position in the he's, country. He's the showman, and he's he's the guy who. It's bigger when the lights come on, when the mm-hmm. moment comes around. And I think that's just going to be a lot for a true freshman quarterback. Jalen Hurts proving me wrong last year and showing up as a true freshman quarterback. But I, I just, I just, when you're looking at quarterback play in that Oklahoma-Georgia game, I'm going to lean on Baker Mayfield all day long. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick against him at this point. It's just going to come down to whether or not Georgia can slow down Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's offense, if they can play at their pace a little bit more, a little bit more of a grinded-out, slower you know, not as many possession type game. Mm-hmm. Georgia's mm-hmm. going to have a real shot. They're, I think they're a very good football team. But if Oklahoma is able yeah. to, you know, move the ball as quickly as they'd like to and kind of run their offense, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat them. Yeah, and I know that. You know, I haven't watched a ton of Georgia football this year, but Nick Chubb this past weekend looked like a guy who's finding his footing at the their right whole time running, again. Their whole running back uh, conglomerate, whatever you want to call contingent yeah. back there. They got like four of them, three or four of them that are just. Everybody really good football rock. players. Everybody can carry it, and that—that's—that's yeah. that, that's, I think a, a weapon we really only saw in Alabama. Maybe it was last year when they had those three guys, but they have basically three legit super, you know, star running backs that they feel mm-hmm. comfortable handing the ball to at any time, and that's that's valuable, especially in a, a you know big time environment, college football playoff type feel. 
I'm super excited that the Rose Bowl is one of the playoff games again this year, too, because I love the Rose Bowl. It's probably my favorite game of the year. Oh, and when, when, there's, when there's more on the line, that just makes it even better. So super excited for that Oklahoma-Georgia game. Yeah, that's going to be a fun um, one to watch. Matt, there's been some, some movement around the top, not for these four teams, but there's been some movement uh, on, on the coaching fronts um, from Chip Kelly being mentioned here and there and uh, Scott Frost moving from UCF to Nebraska, but he's going to coach UCF in an unprecedented turn of events. And I think Jimbo uh, Fisher just got another year added to his Jimbo, contract to Texas Jimbo A&M. Fisher at A&M, uh, Sumlin being tracked everywhere. What do you make of all this? Because it seems more intense. Than it does fast. seem more intense. Are teams, are teams too quick to part ways with their guys now? I know we're going from talking <sighs> about firing John Fox yesterday <laughs> to saying our team's a little bit quick to cut bait with coaches in, at, at the college level. I mean, I don't think necessarily. I mean, Florida, <laughs> in the, in the, uh, you know, Florida State idea, that was more Jimbo wanting to leave. I think he got a, an, you know, an offer he couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. Scott, I mean, obviously Scott Frost wasn't going to hang around UCF. I don't. I, I think it's been interesting this year and a little bit more active than usual. But I don't think that we've seen many like head scratching firings where I, you know, th- at least off the top of my head, if I'm wrong, come out and say it right now. I did not. Maybe I'm just miss, missing some. But I haven't seen. I've seen a head scratching like leaving, like Jimbo Fisher leaving. I didn't see coming. But for the most part, I haven't seen a firing that I didn't say like that. I you know, said, <laughs> wow, that doesn't make sense, or like, why? What are they doing cutting bait with him early? I know we were a little. Uh... Uh, I know we were a little high on uh, Kevin Sumlin in years past, and everyone was calling for him to be fired this year. But I think that's one example of a coach who didn't get the full go at it. That's fair, but I think with the guy they went out and got, yeah, oh, you got better. I think yeah, you it's, got it's not like they they fired Kevin because your your thing as long as we've been talking about coaching is like. Don't let a guy go unless you know who you got coming in. Yeah, you the know grass it's gonna was be greener. In the grass place. was greener. They they cost them. A lot of money, but, but it's football uh, and the money. It's football there. in Texas, so the money's there. Yeah, uh, but but they did get better with that that hire. Yeah, so it's gonna gonna take some getting used to seeing some coaches in uh, in some different colors. Uh, you got Dan Mullen uh, taking over at Florida. That one made a lot of sense to me. I think that's going to be an interesting hire. That's I like Dan Mullen a lot. Yeah. He's a guy who's not he's not going to be shocked by yeah. what Florida is or you know, the the environment there. He knows what and, he's getting uh, into. And we've got uh, we've got a very interesting one that we're going to hold off to until buy or sell. But I have some some extreme thoughts on the ASU hire. So uh, that, that's Ooh. what we call a, a tease extreme in the thoughts. business. Tease extreme thoughts. Mountain Dew, Cool Ranch Dorito, and extreme thoughts. It's hard but, for um, me to buy when you say extreme thoughts, though, because all of your thoughts seem like way, all of your thoughts seem very extreme. You seem no, to get I'm, very. I'm just, up- I'm just passionate, Matt. They're all founded in something. Well, you know, if if you're that passionate about something, Joe, it would would you like to air your grievance about what you're passionate about? Um, yeah, let's 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 air it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's, let's air, that's what they let's call that's what they call lead, Joe. N- nice setup. Nice Thank setup. You. Hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now. You're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, I know we just touched on it a little bit, but my grievance comes with the selection committee, not necessarily the individuals, but the process in general. If you're not going to extend it until, if you're not going to extend it to a six-team or eight-team playoff to get all of your Power Five conference conference champions in, then you're going to continually have issues. The system's flawed, not the teams, not the people, but the system. I take issue with. There is no reason why conference champions should not have a chance to play for the national title. Why are you playing a conference championship game other than a money grab and a trophy if that doesn't lead to a berth into the college football playoff? It's not a wild card. I'm not asking for an at-large bid for the Ohio State Buckeyes or for whoever it's going to be that misses next year or for your TCUs of past days or whoever's going to be, like I said, the next team to miss it. They deserve to be in. 
extend the playoff to six or eight teams, have either one or three at-large bids, and move on from there. I understand why Alabama is in this year. If you're Ohio State, you cannot get blown out by Iowa and expect to be in the playoff. That was a damning loss for them. But they rallied to get a seat in the championship game, and then they executed in the championship game against a great Wisconsin football team. It was one of the most exciting football games of the year, and there should be a reward for it. That's my grievance, is that there should be a reward for getting to a conference championship game and winning it. Matt, we touched on this, but if you're going to change the criteria year to year, that's your biggest flaw as a selection committee. You need to keep the weight in the right places if you're going to keep it a four-game playoff, a four-team playoff. Uh, that's, I, my, that's my issue with the whole system. No, that, hey, that's that's fair, and I'm I, like I've said, I we we disagree on on who should be the teams, but I think we both agree on not really liking how they got there. It just, I, and I know there's no solution in this case. The solution is to expand the playoff, but if you're going to keep it four teams, there's never going to be a solution. No, because there's always, I mean, there's going to be by, a conference champion yeah, from a power, math, five, a power school five school. Left one of them's out. not going to be in. So, and what happens when? And I know I'm being wistful here, but. What happens when Notre Dame has an undefeated season? Then you got two Power Five conference teams getting left out. Mm-hmm. Like what? What? What is the thought process here? I don't know. Doesn't and doesn't more games equal more money? I I, I don't understand the thinking. I I'm with you, and maybe it's just as simple as you know they need to get you know need certain TV deals, whatever have to go through, happen, expire, whatever. I don't know exactly. I'm Put not- it on YouTube. Just play the game. Well, I think we know it's a lot more complicated. I know, <laughs> I know, but it's it's frustrating, and I don't consider myself an Ohio State fan. The only college football team that I have an allegiance to is Notre Dame, and it, it, I'm infuriated for Ohio State fans for that fan base because you won a conference championship in arguably the toughest conference in the nation. That's got to be worth something. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Joe, you've kind of hit it all here. I'm, uh, yeah. I, I, like I've said, we're 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 not going to agree on how they got there, but I think uh, we're not going to agree on on the teams here. But I think we agree with how they got there, and, and that something eventually needs to be done to move this along to get a little bit. So we don't have this debate every year about one school being, you know, criminally left out. I think if you have it to where six or eight, you're going to be seeing you know, a three loss team be left out, or you know, a two loss team that is a non power five conference champion get left out. But at this yeah. time. We're seeing too many good teams get left out. Too many deserving teams get left out. I agree with you, Matter. Let's move on. Let's do a little by yourself. All right. You want to start us off? Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to keep it college here for a second for the first buy or sell. Matt, mm. buy or sell. The Heisman Committee got it right, and Saquon Barkley didn't deserve a trip to New York. You know, <clears throat> if you would ask – I mean, when when we, we – I think feel like we talked about this uh, – a hundred times throughout the year about how it's basically his, you know, Heisman to win and all that stuff. And I think, you mm-hmm. know, a month ago, if you'd asked me this question, I said, you're crazy. But now looking back at it, looking at the guys, the three that they have in there, I don't think any of those three don't belong. And I don't know if they wanted to invite him as a fourth, but if I'm okay with it, I, he was great early on. And then down the stretch, just kind of, for whatever reason, after that Ohio state game kind of just disappeared. Yeah. And his team kind of disappeared off the map, too. They weren't playing as well. So I, I'm actually okay with it. I think they got the right running back. I've mentioned him a couple times on this podcast, but I think Bryce Love has, has been the most underrated running back, if not player, in the country throughout the year. I think Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson had an incredible second half of the season. And obviously, Baker Mayfield's the best player in college football. So if you wanted to add Barkley as a fourth, okay, that's fine. But, I mean, I'm looking at his stat lines here. From the Ohio State game through the rest of the season, he had one game go over 100 yards, and that's when he played Nebraska. So we don't really want to need to count that one because we know how bad Nebraska <laughs> was, Joe. That's uh, it, his rush totals, Ohio State, 44 yards. Michigan State, 63. Rutgers, 35. He had 14 carries for 35 yards against Rutgers. Yeah. 158 against Nebraska, and then 77 against Maryland. So I, see, that, he Matt, limped down the stretch. You can throw all the numbers you want at me, and I I see what you're saying, and I think you hit the nail on the head there of why they didn't get him there. But when we're talking about the guys sitting on the dais or sitting on that first row at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, I'm not suggesting that Saquon Barkley deserved to have his name called, 
but I'm saying that he deserved to be sitting there in those four seats because from That's a fair. production from a production standpoint, you can look at his rushing numbers. Saquon Barkley was the best one of the best receivers in the Big Ten statistically this year as well. I think that that gets lost a lot of times. His production out of the backfield and from a different meaning of the word production i want to see saquon barkley highlights during the heisman ceremony you know how they how they queue yeah. up everybody's highlights i, think I basically get, have an hour to kill before an yeah, announcement of who think, won the trophy exactly i think to get a seat there in new york is the eye test it's not necessarily by the numbers and saquon barkley splashed onto the scene so hard and the eye test was passed with flying colors i want to see those highlights i think the kid deserved a trip and I think that the Heisman committee got it wrong in this instance. That's fair. I can. I think that was an egregious snub. But I won't I go as far as egregious. Yeah, egregious. Right. Okay, Joe. Let's move <laughs> on. Uh, not much going on with the baseball hot stove. It's been a very quiet off season. With the, but the, the baseball. <laughs> the two names. <laughs> the two, the two names you got out there right now so far: John Carlos Stanton and Shohei Otani coming over from Japan. Bravo the, on your the, pronunciation. Yeah, I know. I've, I've heard it enough at work the last few days yeah. because all the Cub fans there think he's coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they're not a, a small market team on the West Coast, but don't tell Cubs fans that. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, the, the Giants have been rumored as, as heavy, you know, one of the heavy favorites for Otani. They were also rumored as one of the two teams that have deals done for John Carlos Stanton just waiting for his approval. So buy or sell both. John Carlos Stanton and Shohei Otani will be playing by the Bay in San Francisco come opening day. By I'm the Bay so- on opening day. <laughs> Let's go they down just, by the Bay. They just Eat may. some hay. What do you say? They just may. They just may. Um, I'm selling on it just because of, you know, just in terms of chance, numbers, probability. You have two big names, the two biggest right. names, as you said. In Didn't realize this was a math podcast. Yeah, but play the numbers. If it's buy or sell, and I got to put my shekels down on one here, I'm selling because maybe they hit one of these two guys. Maybe they get none of them. But to get both of them would be uh, hell an, of anomaly, an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a hell of an off season. And um, I just, I still think that there's some other landing spots for Giancarlo. He expressed his interest in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whatever the Marlins are doing to, down there, just. I, I, I don't know what Cheats is doing off the they, bat here. They it, like, it was weird. They kind of like threatened him basically saying like, well, if you don't <laughs> sign off on these deals, then you're going to stay and be part of a rebuild. It's like, yeah. okay, I'll stay in Miami. That's fine. Yeah, so um, I'm just selling on it on sheer probability. I don't know much about the Otani situation, or at least as much as you do. Um, I'm going to sell on it too and make Cubs fans happy here because he's coming to the north side. Well, Okay. Um, I think he's going to Seattle. Um, I'm, playing that, to the cr- one, I'm playing to the crowd, damn it. I, I think he's going to end up in Seattle. I, he he okay. said he wants to play, uh, it wants to be in the lineup as a, as, a, as a batter on days he's not pitching and all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah. I, he's also said he's not really confident in his abilities to play a major league right field. Mm-hmm. Or I, 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 He's not playing first base and on the north side, Joe. I, don't, so I, here's I think there's a do. guy there. Here's what you um, do. They don't have on the days, DH on the north side either. Yeah, but on days that he pitches... You let him hit, and you take Hayward's bat out of his hand. Is that allowed? Can you do that? Yeah, but like, where's he going to play the days do he doesn't pitch, Joe? Um, no, he's, he's going to get you can't bat. take the, you he's can't take get the bat, bat out of every, They don't have a DH, Joe. He's going to get to bat every fifth game. You take the bat out of they, Hayward's They don't hand. have the DH, Joe. I'm trying to bend the rules here a little bit, man. I, I think Seattle makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously – he said he wants to be in a smaller market on the West Coast. They've obviously had great success with Ichiro, who I, I would bet is a guy that he probably grew up watching, liking all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they're uh, a team that's not necessarily far off, and that might you know seen as a, a piece or two away from being serious contenders. So, mm-hmm. I, I think Seattle is the likely destination for. Him. Got it. Um, all right, Matt. Moving on here, we like to hit all of our bases. We we, we got football in, we got baseball in. I'm going to get us a little basketball in here with my final buy or sell, Matt. Buy or sell KD's mean streak. He's now, I believe, he has six techs on the season and two ejections in his last three games. Is he simply a troubled youth, or is he trying to get his guys fired up? I, I, honestly, I think this is I'm, – I'm not on the floor, obviously. I don't hear the trash talk going on that, that's sparking him doing whatever. Mm-hmm. I think this is frustration boiling over from all the stuff from you know the offseason, people ripping him for, for going to Golden State. Twitter and all, and all that Golden stuff, State, Twitter and, yeah. and all that. 
I, I would bet that he's catching a lot of flack from his peers. Mm-hmm. He's hearing a lot of stuff that's, you know, getting him pretty upset. And as we've seen on social media with fans reaction, all that kind of stuff, he's pretty easily to, to clap back, fire back, whether it's appropriate or not. And I, I kind of think that's what this is. I think he's getting yeah. a little bit upset. I think he's, you know, a little bit short. The frustration is starting to boil over. He doesn't get why people are so critical of him after this has been done so many times in the past. And I, I think it's starting to get to him. And I think people yeah. know that and they're purposely trying to push his buttons. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bit of a prediction here because I agree with you in that sense, and I think that because the because there's so many opportunities at Golden State for for a guy to have a marquee night because they have so many stars on that team, his mind can wander a little bit. He doesn't have to be as engaged with putting up mm-hmm. 35 every night to make his team win. Now Steph rolled his ankle pretty pretty bad last night. It looked real yeah, ugly. He's a time. Left uh, left the arena, I believe they were, what, in New Orleans? I think he left yeah. the arena in New Orleans on crutches. I think he's going to miss some time. And I think KD's going to go off in this next month stretch here, partially because he's fueled by this anger, and now he's going to have somewhere to put it other than lip service trying to argue with Boogie Cousins on court. I think he's going to – I think the Slim Reaper is going to come back. He's going to play a little angry over this next month stretch. I, I th- th- This would be as good of a time as any for him to kind of – go back to being his old self so i kind of hope you're right because he's fun to watch when he's playing at his best yep all right are you you teased this one joe so we're gonna we're gonna finally pay (laughs) it off here um a little bit of an odd hire at arizona state i'm not sure it's the worst hire in the world but it is it was one that kind of made you turn your head a little bit you buying or selling herm edwards at arizona state i'm selling it as hard as i can wow aggressive guy hasn't coached since 2008 He's never been the head coach of a major college football team. In his eight seasons as an NFL coach, he was 54-74. and He's not even that great of a coach. He's a personality. He's a television personality and a great one at that. But in his introductory press conference yesterday, you saw him. He didn't flip the coach switch. He was stuck as TV personality, and he will continue to be so. I think Herm Edwards is going to lead Arizona State to a three- or four-win season next year and get fired. I think that it's a great money grab for Herm, but it makes zero sense, and I'm selling it as hard as I can. I think the what I sell most about it is if they, they hired him, but then they kind of made him keep Todd Graham's old staff. And I thought that what, was what weird. What is that? I, I don't get it. That, that to me, didn't make sense. Uh, maybe it's just they, they – didn't like Todd Graham. They, I don't know if they love the staff, whatever. I thought that was really odd. Uh, it seems like you're almost setting him up to not succeed, setting him up to fail a little bit by, by not letting him bring in his own guys be, because I think you bring in a guy like that because you want maybe a, a culture change, an attitude switch, but then you, you keep the same staff. I don't really get that. Uh, the the hiring is, is odd, but yeah. it, it that, that, to me, was the weird part of this thing. I think he'll be able to recruit there. I don't really know much about his X's and O's. Like it's like I've said, it's been a while, but who I guess, I guess we'll see. But that, that, to me, was what struck out as the, the weird part of all this. Hey, you play to win the game, and I don't think he's going to win many games. You don't play to just play it, Joe. You play to win the game. I, if anything, we're going to see some epic yeah, sound bites. press I'm conference soundbite rants for some sound next year. <laughs> he was talking to the guy. The guy was... Uh, Whatever his name was, like John John Doe from uh, the Devil's Digest. Goes, Devil's Digest. Devil's Digest. Where are you based? That was awesome. The Devil's Digest. I don't think he knows that his team name is. He Sunday. does. He's screwing I around know. with the road. You're, you know this. But as that's much my as point. Anybody. That's my point. He's screwing, he's screwing around. around he's screwing around, trying to either grab a headline, make a sound bite, because that's his business now. You know, he was NFL Live. It's Herm. We want to talk to Coach Herm. He's not actually a coach. That's his title, Coach Herm. You know, I, I just don't think it works. <laughs> okay, that, Jim. that's all I got. And you're welcome because you just got a little Herm Edwards impression there. Oh man! All right, Joe, I got I got a bonus buy or sell for you here that I Ooh, didn't really hit. In, uh, unprepared. I wanted to hit it. I, I, wanted, well, I talked to you about it a little bit before the show. I wanted to hit it in bears. We didn't okay. really. We we got a little bit too distracted by how disappointed we are with just about everything. Um, Buy or sell that this coaching staff is actually hurting Mitch Trubisky's development because I think we saw some, some, some very positive steps from him early on and some very good things, and I think the, the leash they've put on him is only growing tighter, and I, I think it is actually hurting them. But buy or sell that they're hurting his development as a quarterback. 
I couldn't buy this any harder because there's nothing more important for a rookie quarterback, for a young quarterback, than his first three years in a league. It's your make or break. It's your cream rising to the top moment. It is Those are your formative years. And to spend a third of those formative years under a coaching staff that seems completely inept can only be bad for you. I think what we saw early on from Mitch Trubisky was Mitch Trubisky. It wasn't the coaching that he's received. I think that's just the natural talent that we saw out of Mitch Trubisky, those early flashes. Now that the season's moved on and we're seeing a little bit of that regression, it's because he's taking on the coaching of these inept coaches. It's not good for him, it's not good for the Bears, and it's not good for his future. No, I, I, said, I said that the most important thing, and I will continue to say it until the day that they stop playing football, the most important thing for a rookie quarterback in the NFL is the situation that he comes into. The Bears, from an on-field and coaching standpoint, were not ready for a quarterback. Do I think Mitch Trubisky could be the quarterback of the future, a franchise quarterback? Hell yes. I'm excited to see what the guy can do. I've completely changed my tone on that. I'll be the first one to tell you. But this is not the right situation for him to be in. Uh, I mean, I... I, I agree with obviously I agree with you. I told you I agree with you before you said that. So I, I'm, I'm glad that was a, that was a very well thought out and passionate rant, Joe. You can clip that and put that up wherever you want, Matt, for the people to hear. It felt good. Where am I? It gonna, rolled off. Nice. Where am I going to? I don't put know, it, Joe. I don't know. It's, it's already on the podcast. Let's start a blog. It's 2017. Let's start a blog or something. We, we could start a blog. Go multifaceted, but you have to write the whole thing. I'm not. I'm yeah. not writing anything. You're the writer, Joe. We <laughs> you went to journalism school. I know. I'm. I'm, I'm a bit tied up. You know. There's. There's a couple. There's a couple things in production right now that kind of got my uh, got my got my mind in a knot. But All right, well, we'll before, talk, before we'll you rant more about podcast. your professional uh, happenings and career wise, uh, let, let's mm-hmm. let, let's move on here. Uh, I'll be the one to segue us. We we talked a little bit about yeah. this before we we went on air here, but uh, bowl games coming up. We we I believe you lost your your pick'em last week, correct? By that half point, by the slimmest of margins. Yes, I did. Is that correct? I won by the one mm-hmm. of the biggest of margins. Uh, I think Clemson was nine. I got them at here, and they, yep. they won by thirty eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. So now we're tied. Would you we're like to tied. explain to the people how we're going yes. to do this going forward? Yes, I'm I sure they're very urgent to hear how we're going to be making our fantastic picks. <laughs> I think we're tied atop the leaderboard with five wins each this season, just slumping under five hundred. But what we're going to do down the stretch is we're going to substitute an NFL pick for the next couple weeks until we get to the New Year's Six. Then we're going to pick all New Year's Six games, and uh, whoever comes out with the most wins, obviously that New Year's Six day can sway us big time, so there's going to have to be some some film study going into that one. But for the next few weeks, we're going to make a lock of the week NFL pick. And with that said, I'm going to pull up the lines right now and make my lock. Probably should have looked into this before yeah. that we, we, you know, put the, you know, probably should have had the picks open. It was a great idea on paper. And now my Wi-Fi is kind of lagging. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and hit Ooh, us with well, our lock you're of just, the week? Uh, you're really, wow. Um, <laughs> All right, Joe, now that we've had some time to look at the lines, um, <laughs> I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings minus three at Carolina. Uh, Carolina's coming off that tough loss to New Orleans. They didn't really look all that good in it either. And Minnesota's defense, Case Keenum, looking, I can't believe I just said Case Keenum, uh, looking about as good as you could hope at this point. And they're just absolutely rolling. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. I like the pick. I'm going to go Thursday night. Let's just get this thing out of the way. Atlanta getting one and a half at home against New Orleans. Um, you made a great point. This is Atlanta's season. Everything to play for. Uh, a big one against the Saints. Always great games between those two teams. But I think just being at home, the intensity in that building, Falcons getting one and a half. All right. Those are our locks of the week. Lock for, them in. For NFL locks of the week. I'm going to make a little addendum here. You did do an NFL lock of the week a couple weeks ago. I, I have. And, even oh yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, I made a couple. Two weeks ago. So uh, I don't like it. You kind of broke the rules there. but We um, did not break rules. We started as an NFL pick and then moved because we were so bad at it. Yeah, it's whatever. It's you whatever. moved because you were so bad. I started out the season on a roll. You started out. Well, we're tied. We're yeah, tied. Now we're so. tied. Here we find ourselves, Matthew. So the rules conveniently change when it's convenient for Joe, but when I want to do it, it's not good. It's funny, funny how that works. Yeah, it really you is. Your, you make your own breaks, kid. Let's you hit the know, mailbag. I, 
right. Let me open the question. This one was inspired by uh, by my brother Tim, who did a, him and his buddies do an annual Blackhawks Bears doubleheader for the um, pod every uh, every fall, winter, whatever you want to call it. Skip so the Joe, Bears, but go on. In honor of that, Joe, pick your ultimate sports doubleheader that you can do in one day. So I'm going to oh. say we're saying here, money is not an object. Okay. But you have to. It has to be within reason. Like it's. Mm-hmm. It can't be. You know, hopping a private jet across country, whatever. Give me. Give me within reason here. What is your your ultimate sports doubleheader? Okay, so <laughs> let's fast forward to 2020. My ultimate sports doubleheader is probably going to be a Hawks playoff game. And what else is going on then? In June. <laughs> In June. Not well, you, much, got to, right? you can have a Sox Cubs game. You have a Sox Cubs game. Hawks Bulls Sox Cubs. Yeah, but I want like I want po- I want two postseason games. I guess you'd have to do like a but Bulls a Bulls and a Hawks game. Yeah, Bulls-Hawks would be an awesome doubleheader, but I got to be courtside, and I got to be in the your Bulls, seats. The, the I got to be in your in, seats for the Hawks. Here. Bulls playing in Milwaukee here, Joe? Yeah, Bulls-Milwaukee. Bulls, well, what? It's Bulls, a doubleheader. Bulls-Bucks Eastern Conference Final. If you're letting me hy- hy- be hypothetical here, then get me the private jet, okay? <laughs> Fair enough, Joe. I'm going to – yeah, for for bringing the private jet into it, it, it opens up the door. But the, we're we're not bringing the private jet into it. I can, okay, I can we don't have all day. That. You hit us. So you you uh, you touch on one both be more playoff type games. Now I, I don't uh-huh. know if that's necessarily possible, but just about every college football regular season game is is considered yeah. you know can be a playoff game. So what I'm going to say here is I'm going to say a a two o'clock whatever Notre Dame kickoff. You get out of there a little bit early, hopefully. And make it back down to the south side for for game one of the World Series. Oh God! <laughs> can, can I can I do that? Because that's happening. We got to wait till about twenty twenty here. But hopefully Notre Dame at that point they're they're competing a little bit. Maybe we get you know call pull some strings, get an earlier kickoff. Okay. And I'm I'm gonna go a, a little Notre Dame White Sox doubleheader. You gotta you know average about ninety going down the Indiana toll road there to get to the cell. But you know it can be done. Here's the here's the important question though. Are Maybe you I just wearing... get Hawks private jet out out of Granger, Indiana. Now, are you wearing the Sox jersey to the Notre Dame game or the Notre Dame jersey to the Sox game? John, I got, I got the car. I'm just changing. No, there's no change. It's, it's a one-outfit What do you mean there's day. no change? It's, a, it's, it's, a not, one-outfit it's not a one-outfit day. <laughs> so you're changing. I think, you should, I think you should get a change in, but you should do flip-flop. You should wear the, the Sox to the Hawks, Sox to the Notre Dame game and Notre Dame to the Sox game. Be What's your reasoning? Off. What's your reasoning behind Just that? Be I'd love to hear the reasoning. Be a little bit that. offbeat, and so people could ask you, "What are you wearing that for?" Oh, I'm going to the game later, or "Oh, I just came from the game." See, you know, I, little, I prefer. It's when, a little brag moment. You can. I brag prefer there. when people I don't know don't talk to me. So I'm ah, going to. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to blend in with the crowd there, if you don't mind. That that works for you then. That works okay. for you. <laughs> well, thank you to uh, Tim and to all of our listeners here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Uh, we we always enjoy you guys. Don't forget. Get on iTunes if you haven't already. Subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll put out some more mailbag questions. You guys send your questions our way. We appreciate everything you do for us. Uh, we hope you appreciate the show because we enjoy doing it for you guys. Um, Matt, before we say goodbye here, why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right. I, I had a... Um had a different topic I was planning on, on, on addressing with Ryan Shazier last night and obviously thoughts and prayers to him. Hope he's okay. Reports are he, he's doing much better. But I did want to touch on, uh, while, while most of the college football season, regular season, is technically over, uh, we, we do have one more game this weekend. Uh, and it's it's always one of my favorite games every year to watch, and that's Army-Navy. Um, it, it's the tradition, the the passion behind it from both teams, the the really amount the country kind of gets up for it with with college game day and it being you know the game of the week on, on CBS and all that, the uniforms that they uh, that they've started you know going to the alternates every year. Um, it, it's always just a, a great game, a fun tradition to watch, and it's two triple option offenses. You don't usually get to see a bunch, but I, I just I I wanted to give it a quick shout out because I'm I'm always. Really interested in watching this game every year, even though the teams necessarily aren't that great. Now with Army finally having snapped the streak last year, if I think it was 16 or so straight games with Navy winning, uh, I think I'm even more intrigued this year to see how Navy comes back and bounces Army having a really good year. 
So I just I wanted to give a quick shout out tribute to that game because they, they, they deserve it deserves the attention that it gets. Obviously, those kids making a huge commitment, huge sacrifice for the next however many years of their life after they get out of the academies. But uh, it's fun to honor them and you know this this game every year. And I'm just I'm very much looking forward to watching it, Joe. And Matt, I think I'm sure you saw them, but those jerseys this year again, oh, they're are fantastic. Both home runs, um, just like you said, an, a, an amazing uh, representation of football and country, and uh, you know, just a, just a great moment for for all those guys who get to be out there and represent not only themselves, not only their teams, not only their service, but um, the great game of football. It should be another uh, fun chapter in that storied storied history. Joe, man. Joe, quick bonus lock of the week. Oh, Na- <laughs> Navy minus three and a half. Who you got? Got to hammer it. Hammer it home. Uh, uh, give me, give me Army and the points all day. Come on, we gotta stay bipartisan. Give me Army support give, of give, the service. Well, I, you took one. I'm taking oh, the you other. Like, you like Army? You like Army? Yeah, I'm taking. Yes, give me Army and the points. Okay, uh, I'll go with the midshipmen then. Well, there, there are, no, there certainly are no losers in this pet show. Oh, very, very, very nicely done, Matt. And on that note, we thank you, <laughs> the Moose and Runes listeners. That's going to do it for episode 32 of the Moose and Runes podcast. We appreciate you. We hope you're having the most blessed and beloved holiday season. That's going to do it. Have a great week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.